Well, hello, welcome back to Life or Something Like It. I just wanted to start off uh, thanking any of you that have sent me a a message saying how much you appreciate the podcast. Uh, Maybe something resonated with you or um, you, you thought of something differently than you would have before you listened to the podcast. So that makes me feel really good just to know I'm not talking into an abyss here and uh, talking to myself like I sometimes do. So I want to start off with a quote. The children now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, they show disrespect for elders, and love chatter in place of exercise. Children are now tyrants, not the servants of their households. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents, chatter in front of company, gobble up dainties at the table, cross their legs, and tyrannize their teachers. So would you think that quote was maybe from somebody recently? Maybe in the last little while? Nope, not even in the last century. This is supposedly a quote from Socrates from 469 BC. (laughs) Doesn't that make you laugh? So when we talk about kids today, you know, this has been going on forever. So I think we've always had this sort of generational gap. You know, it's not unique just to our era or the era before us. I think parenting is really a very interesting topic, especially now in the world of social media. You know, everything's out there for everybody to see. So there's lots of those curated perfect pictures of babies and hourly updates and all that sort of thing. And mom shaming and everybody having an opinion on how kids should be raised. And I know I'm I'm guilty of my opinions on on the topic too. I would imagine for young parents today, it's got to be really difficult to navigate all of that. My son was born in 1994. So the worst we kind of had to deal with was, you know, maybe the mummy and me classes where there were sometimes those irritating moms that thought their kids were advanced because they were crawling four days before someone else's kid, that kind of thing. Or they might say, oh, is your child eating? Is your child pooping? You know, what's going on in it? It was a little irritating, but you could decide if you wanted to go to that mommy and me class again. Or maybe you'd take your child to the park and strike up a conversation with someone and then, you know, move on. You wouldn't really give it too much thought. At least I don't recall any of that being a concern. And as far as pictures went, we had to take our kids to Walmart or Sears to those little photo studios and they'd have those awkward little photo shoots you know with the bad bowl haircuts and the really ugly coordinated little sweatsuits on you know it was kind of funny when I think about it and then of course the pictures with Santa almost always resulted in blurry shots with with the kid crying or snot running out of their nose or looking away at the elf that was trying to make them smile And we just gave out those pictures to our friends and family members. Didn't really care if they looked ridiculous. It was just, that's the shot they gave us and that's the one we printed off the copies. Same with school pictures, you know, they were crappy, they were crappy. Now they have all the, you know, life touch posed pictures for the kids and everything's a lot more elaborate. You know, and if we look back to the 60s and 70s when I was a kid, There were maybe a handful of pictures taken. A lot of them were black and white. And, uh, you know, maybe the the Polaroid camera, which came into play 
in the 80s. So a lot of those pictures are damaged and ripped at the edges and the colors all faded. But everything was a lot different back then. We were left to our own devices a lot of the time. I remember walking to school alone in, I think, kindergarten or grade one and making lunches for my brother and I. I think I was about maybe seven or eight and he was five. And of course, you know the stories of riding around in cars without our, without baby seats or seat belts, hours playing at the schoolyard and riding our bikes until dark without helmets. You got, you know, but there was none of the, the worrying and and the sort of overbearing that, that goes on now. And not to say that that was better or worse, it's just very different. I think there was maybe one or two parenting books back then by Dr. Spock. And I think the rest was just fly by the seat of your pants from what I understood. Um, a lot of the parents were super young when they had us, 20, 21. They barely knew about themselves. So what did they know about parenting? So, you know, here we are in 2019, lots of challenges, lots of joy, still tough to be a parent. We hear way more about it nowadays than we ever did. You know, I think about the, this latest uh, college cheating scandal in the U.S. and it's sort of shone a, a bright light on a very different kind of parenting style. I am of the belief that you really do have to prepare your child for the road, not prepare the road for your child. That's my philosophy. So today I have a special guest, the apple of my eye, my son Ryan. He is 24. I know that I am very biased, but he is an awesome human. And I absolutely adore him and love the man that he has become. He is a very well-rounded individual, works hard, plays hard. He's um, currently an electrical engineer. He works for one of uh, the engineering consulting firms here in town in Winnipeg. Excellent company. They specialize in power systems. So he works there. He's been there for quite some time now. Started out as a co-op student while he was in university and has been a full-time employee there now for coming up two years. He's also a sport aficionado. Is that how you say it? Aficionado. He, uh, he lives life to the fullest. He's got a great girlfriend, lots of friends, uh, plays in bands. He's got a lot on the go. He's really interesting in that he can walk into pretty much any room and make friends and can hold his own, whether it's about world events, sports, just overall knowledge about the world. He is a definite gem. That's not to say we don't have our moments. We can go toe-to-toe like the best of them. But uh, we always walk away from our, shall we call them debates? Yeah, we'll call them that. Still loving and respecting each other. So without further ado, here is Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Mom. Thank you so much for joining me. I thought you'd be a great guest for this episode, talking a bit about kids and parents and life or something like that. So I wanted to uh, talk to you a bit about sort of the differences between, you know, the way I was raised growing up in the 60s and 70s and sort of how different my generation of parents has turned out to be. Um, Do you sort of think that maybe my generation has gone a little bit too far the other way? Um, 
from that sort of stoic children are to be seen, not heard type parenting to maybe this, you know, more affectionate, loving, uh, probably too overbearing style. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, that every generation parent or not, I mean, is really just a reaction or a product of um, that they're grown up in and that they live in their day to day. Like when you say the, the stoic children are to be seen and not heard um, type vibes, obviously a lot of undiagnosed mental illness, undiagnosed I mean, alcoholism wasn't even alcoholism back then. I mean, they're coming off such a such a dark time in human history. Uh, you're talking about World War II, Korean War, stuff like that. Major, major conflict. Uh, the 60s is kind of the first real civil rights movement that gained hold. Anyway, the the point is that they're coming out of a really dark and hard time to live in whereas uh your generation you know kind of became parents at um in a in a simpler time for humans in general and and right at the beginning of the information age where nowadays you're just peppered constantly with you know what can kill you what's out there um i mean you get you get that overbearing attitude as a reaction to the the you know constant imminent threat that seems to be outside affecting us and our kids so I don't know if it could be perceived as too far the other way that seems to be society's view on it and older people's view on it um but at the end of the day I I don't know if it's avoidable I think it's just your reaction to where you were at when you became a parent and um I don't know if that'll ever change no, that's, that's a good way to put it. I never thought about all that. Uh, you know, I guess maybe I wasn't, wasn't able to understand my parents enough, but maybe I should have thought a lot more about, I know it's where they came from, but I maybe didn't dig deep enough in my mind as to what maybe made them behave the way they did. And plus, so many of them were way too young. They were, they were having kids when they're 20, 19, 21, who even knows themselves yet, never mind taking care of humans right yeah no absolutely and i mean bringing that up again you know what you go through obviously as a result of that your generation experienced a lot of uh trauma and and maybe abuse or neglect that you then you want to provide a better uh experience for your kids so it's that's another factor going you know quote too far the other way um, but yeah, again, it's just a reaction to your environment and, you know, generations seem to sort of flow together, maybe less so now with how easy it is to, you know, pick your own path and kind of get tribal amongst each other. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a bit of that breaking the cycle thing. I think a lot of, well, I know for me anyway, it was all about trying to do it a little differently, not that I had a roadmap for it, but just maybe trying to give you something a little different than what I had. Um, So who knows? And, you know, maybe it'll all balance itself out again by the time, maybe if you end up having kids, who knows? It'll could be entirely different. So, you know, I've always said this thing about, 
and I kind of, I probably preach too much about this, but that whole thing of, it's not what you do for your children, but what you've taught them to do for themselves, that'll make them thrive. Sort of, do you agree with that? Do you think that that's proven to be true for you? What are your viewpoints? Yeah, no, definitely. That's, I mean, that's the old proverb, right? Teach a man to fish, but a hundred, a hundred percent, because at the end of the day, in your day-to-day life, the only person who is going to uh, change your trajectory or keep you on the path you want to be on is you. And um, the only foundation we get from a young age is what our parents teach us. You know, I mean, there's a lot of reliance on school as there should be there there eight hours a day but that's that's already at a young age that's already an environment that you're you're responsible for yourself in so the first step's always going to be what your parents instill in you and um i think when i think back i i i attribute my uh i guess my lack of being or wanting to be a victim and uh blame my surroundings and blame other people um for any shortcomings i come up with i i do attribute most of that to you and and uh and sean your husband my stepdad my you know father figure and then uh yeah even my biological dad i think all of you have that i mean you've you've all been through um your own things self-inflicted or not that you've worked your way out of and I've seen it so I mean that's the one thing that stuck with me is it's it encapsulates what you said before it's you taught me that any anything I get myself into I I have to get myself out of so (laughs) yeah that that sums up what you said before like it's what you teach your children but that's the biggest lesson of all is that it doesn't matter you know it's at the end of the day it's up to you to change your path so well that's good that's good to hear that what were your thoughts you heard about all this uh whatever they're calling it college cheating scandal or whatever (laughs) in the u.s you know with all these celebs that uh did some some things they probably shouldn't have what what came to mind for you on that Operation Varsity Blues, it was called, <laughs> the, uh, which was amazing. Jan, uh, James, what, what, Vanderbeek? Yeah. Oh my God! When he heard that, he tweeted out. Um, he said, "If only there was a succinct line these kids could have used to their parents." And I don't know if you remember from huh? that cheesy movie, but he, I do. Yeah, where he goes, "I don't want your life." Yeah. Oh. no uh yeah I heard about it I mean that's just you know it's it's a couple things I mean it's it's the society and where we have been for all of time you know you can blame now but it's really money gets you whatever whatever you want right so at the end of the day money rules all uh second thing would be you have yeah a parent there doing what they think is best for their child with the means they have and i think uh most same people realize it doesn't really help anyone um to put them in a place where they didn't earn um and and you know probably won't succeed very well 
when they get to university anyway, unless they get pushed through, which is fine. Um, <laughs> but, it, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it just goes to show that, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the sum of going too far the other way right there is thinking that we need to be so overbearing with our kids that we should just pay to get them wherever they need to get to. I don't know. I mean, it's just, to me, that was so off the wall just because it, it speaks to the celebrity culture and just the mind warp you get Yeah. once you've that level of celebrity, just how disassociated you are from real life. But, but it is a problem because, you know, it is real life. Those, these are real people and it was a real big operation and it makes you think, well, how, how many other, situations instances of that similar thing are there and you know who really has her in their keep yeah in this in this world but i don't know i don't think that'll ever change that's a symptom that's not a uh that's not a cause of anything yeah. i don't know yeah the fact they said it was 25 million dollar something or other i thought yeah i bet i bet this is the tip of the iceberg and Oh, great. Our dog's barking in the background. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for contributing. I was going to say, oh. that's, uh, that's a nice flair. Nice touch. <laughs> what do we think of 12-year-old dogs that are fat? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I sort of felt like it was insulting the kids in a way, the fact that they had people writing their SATs for them. Like, give the kids a chance. I mean, maybe some of them did give them a chance and they they failed miserably so they had somebody rewrite them for them but you know these kids were were on video saying they didn't even want to go to university they just wanted to go for the fun and games anyway so yeah I don't know it I think you're right though I think it's just a micro what is it a microcosm of the bigger picture yeah it is and I mean you just said it there like not wanting to go to university and doing stuff I mean, they're not even doing anything. Their parents are quite literally doing it for them. I, that's never, that's not a new problem, no. right? Like that's around forever. Parents want the best for their kids, even if it means going about it in extremely unhealthy or that case illegal, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, but I mean, and then it's also like, you, you don't know, like, it's another environment thing. Like these kids have always grown up in this environment. Like who knows what they actually believe is right and wrong. I saw the clip of, uh, I think it was Lori Laughlin's kid and they were TMZ was going after him. He was at his apartment on fifth Avenue (laughs) and this kid like a rapper and you know, he's out there smoking a blunt saying his mom didn't do anything wrong, this and this and this. And you're just, you know, people are ripping on this kid, but it's just like, how, disconnected from real life are these people you know and it's it is a microcosm it's or it's maybe not a microcosm that's just a small example of um this blow up of celebrity culture and you know uh uh, wealth culture that we have you know this it's just an example of this stuff it's not a uh be all end all yeah for sure i agree with you so we've talked before about a bit over the years and, and recently about millennial bashing and, you know, sort of what, what us old people think and generalizations versus what's fair game. So, and you've talked a bit about that you'll admit that you think sometimes your generation is a bit 
I think you said narcissistic was the word. So tell me a bit about that. I sort of, I'd like to hear more about your take on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's right off the bat, there's definitely a gap um, between what uh, millennials, including the older ones. I mean, there's a lot of millennials who don't even know they're millennials, but I mean, you're a millennial if you're under the age of 35 or whatever it is, right? So there, there's a gap between that line of thinking and the older generation. Um, I'd probably say, yeah, your generation and then the boomers before. Um, but I think really it's just a lack of understanding between the two. So uh, we definitely, okay, to sum up being a millennial, let's just start with that. We can definitely be narcissistic. We are a part of this environment in which every single human is connected to each other, whether or not we want to be. So a lot of us are, I think, searching for the answer to probably not a new question, which is like, okay, where do I fit into all this? And now the playing board or the, it's so much greater than it used to be, right? Like it used to be, where can I fit in in my community? Where can I fit in my city? Or should I move and try to fit in somewhere else? Now it's like, where do I fit in on the global map of people, which is sitting in my pocket at all times? (laughs) So, I mean, that's a pretty dramatic way to look at it. it, But, you know, there's studies done about the impacts of social media that we don't even truly understand. So that's part of it, I would say. That's where a bit of the narcissism comes from. And I'd I'd say it's also just because it pays. Like, if you're successful at it, you know, you can be an internet personality and rake in money. So, yeah, you know, that's probably an issue with actually the generation below me, uh, the next one. Yeah. Um, more so than us, but, but it is, it is, again, it goes back to we're coddled in a lot of ways. Um, life is a lot easier for us, whether it's, you know, how we get through school with the advent of the internet. I think school is a little bit behind, um, and it, I, it probably always has been, but the, you know, the school system's always a little bit behind with what's actually going on in the world. So we get through it and we're, you know, we're thinking, okay, I get to do this, 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 and then I should be what's called successful. Well, we know that's not the method anymore. Whereas the older generations played that game, um, the company loyalty game the I get this promotion and I'll reach the finish line we know we just know that that's not how it plays so now we have this opinion that okay I'm not going to play this game I'm going to be my own person and I'm going to beat the system but the fact is a lot of us shouldn't be trying to beat the system we should really just be trying to help each other out so we're probably missing the point on a lot of that and then what I would say about your generation is that you most of your generation just simply doesn't understand what we're growing up in because it, it is so far different from what you grew up in. And, and that's not a new problem. So basically what I would say is millennials have a bunch of new problems that seem to be leading to this. I want everything now. I am special. I am a snowflake. <laughs> I am, you know, not to use a buzzword like snowflake, but yeah that that is the world we're living in and then the older generations just don't get it and it doesn't sync with what they were going through if they even can remember what they were going through at our age 
so that those are the two issues it's i think millennials do have a real problem um but the older generations don't understand that problem so you're gonna have conflict Mm -hmm. i know for sure that i've often thought you know because i was bullied a lot in school and that kind of thing i thought to myself i don't think i could have survived in the era of social media where it's 24 7 like unless you basically were a te- are a teenager right now that has no social media and everybody loves you there's got to be a lot of that dealing with constant whether it's insults or or the flip side where everybody's worshiping you because you've got the best pictures on instagram or whatever i just i just don't think i could have coped with all of that it seems it's it's almost too overwhelming I don't even think I could cope with the way it is now. You know what I mean? Like, like just for the listeners, we'll, we'll remember, I'm 24. Like, when I was in high school and junior high, yeah, you know, Facebook was around, Twitter was around, but it wasn't even what it is now. I mean, nowadays, it's just so off and running that, um, the and the whole concepts of, you know, what you look like on Instagram versus what's going on in your real life and that need to constantly feed that machine, whether it's, you know, absorbing the content or me putting my own content, like basically the content machine, let's call it, which I mean, it's grown exponentially every year Mm -hmm. um, that it's, it doesn't look like what it did when I was in high school, even seven years ago. So completely agree with you. I don't, I don't even know how, kids are doing it um i i'm gonna misquote the book but i mean it's it's in that newer book that actually my girlfriend's reading uh the 12 12 11 lessons for uh the modern world or you know i can't mm-hmm. believe any remember the title but that's in there they're doing studies on the impacts of social media and how what a negative effect it is having especially on young girls um they're attributing you know uh a hundred hundred percent increase which is i think it was four out of uh four out of ten thousand young girls versus two for suicide um which they can't line up with anything really else except for the boom of information um that we've experienced yeah i i honestly couldn't tell you how i did it um with what little facebook we had i mean i don't remember a ton of conflicts Obviously, I went to a small high school. Uh, it was kind of hard to bully someone and then not face them the next day. That's a big thing for sure. It's this uh, ability to just be an absolute devil on mm-hmm. the Internet and face no consequences, <laughs> yeah. which now we're seeing at least there's they're trying to enforce stuff. I mean, they were trying to enforce cyberbullying stuff when I was a kid, when it was msn messenger or whatever so they're they're trying right i mean right. but it's again we're so reactionary as a species we're never gonna be ahead of it so I, I don't know how these kids do it they live and breathe the content machine uh whether it's memes whether it's bullying they they find a way to fight their way through it but i think the best we can do is as an adult um is to just try to be aware of that and uh, work on programs that can help these kids to at least be able to weather this storm. I mean, 
adolescence is always going to be hard. It's hard enough as is. And then now you, everything's on the internet and coming at you uh, mm. from a million different angles. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how we do it. Yeah. Information overload for sure. I'm kind of glad. Yeah. That you guys didn't, you know, you had, you had these crappy little flip phones or whatever. And then some <laughs> other kind of, there goes the dog again, some other kind <laughs> of, uh, some other kind of phones. I forget what they were, but you know, you weren't on your phones because at that time we didn't have smartphones. So, right. You know, I think about teachers right now and your sister's a teacher and she probably has to be constantly watching kids not be on their smartphones in class and they're they're getting the phones younger and younger so it's got to be a distraction I mean as if it's easy to pay attention in school as it is you'd much rather be looking at your phone and what's going on on Instagram or Twitter than you would listening about some historical you know whatever so yeah I don't know. I think you're right. And I think you're really right about another thing too, um, about the fact that education is so far behind and it's still so antiquated that they're still doing a lot of the same things they did when I was in school. There should be a lot more collaborative approach, more group projects, more about teaching real life skills, because I think that's one, one of the challenges is that you know, a person goes into the workplace and they can't get along with their teammates or they don't get the whole idea of you agreed to do this piece of a project. You haven't done it. You're letting everybody down, all that kind of thing. You know, when you do those group projects, there's always, when you're in university, there's always that one dud. Oh, I know. (laughs) Who just won't do their part. Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely, you're right. I, and it's not for lack of trying, like, you know, Kim talks about what, the, uh, you know, she's taught to teach and, and they are trying all the time to update the system to make it fit in with um, where kids are at. I mean, I think I agree with you that there should be a lot more spent on uh, real life skills, interpersonal personal skills, um, you know, They have commerce school later, but, you know, the thing is with how easy it is to get just raw information nowadays, like whether it's just info or how to do something, that stuff's easy. So I don't need to spend eight hours a day learning the skill anymore. I need to be able to learn where do I go get it? Where do I go practice it? Um and how do I make it fit in with my life? Now, I don't know when you do that. You do it in university. And it's not that your phones aren't a distraction in university either. You know, the amount of time I spent doing nothing on my laptop or phone while in a lecture. You know, I'm not attuned to that yeah. our broken attention span. But, but it is, I think there's room in the school system to move away from just raw information. Um, and maybe say, okay, we're going to teach the basics and, and then we're going to start doing interactive modules and we're going we're gonna to try to grab your attention and funnel the information in that way. Right. Um, versus just saying, here's the information. Because I can go get just the information. In university, the amount of times I was like, I don't have to be in this lecture because you're just trying to funnel stuff into my brain. I can do quicker on a Wikipedia page or whatever. So I think that's where education needs to go. It's how do we keep attention and, and teach how to learn 
versus yes. trying to make people learn. So yeah, no, wow. You know what? It's interesting. We we seem to have agreed on almost everything here. That's not always been the case with you and I. Sometimes uh, we can go toe to toe, or or we used to a bit more back back in the day. But I, you know, what I always love about you and I is that we've got this bond. Even if we would have battles over things, we would always make sure we didn't stay mad at each other. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, our our way of communicating was pretty unique. I think, um, you know, we both, we both respond well to yelling, uh, <laughs> which, which is, that's super unique. Um, you know, I, I deal with it, whether it's my roommate or my girlfriend or whether, whatever, other people don't respond to that, you know, and it's, but that's part of figuring it out. You got to, figure out what works for you, what works for somebody else, especially if you're going to spend a lot of time with them. But uh, yeah, I mean, when we lived together and spent a lot of time together, we figured out how to talk through, yell through whatever the problem would be. And uh, yeah, I, you're right about that, though. We always made sure to not be mad at each other for an extended period of time. That's probably the greatest thing I would have got out of our relationship, because even if it takes a bit more work with um, other people, I, I don't like to stew and stuff. Um, and I don't know what you benefit from it. I, there's times where you got to, okay, let's back away. Let's think about it and come back if the problem is complicated enough, but let's be honest. Most of the time, uh, problems aren't that complicated, especially if they come from just a conversation that went astray, which was <laughs> most of the time we fought was like that. Uh, difference of opinion whatever so yeah that ability to just say okay let's wrap this up figure out what we did wrong where can we move on um, I'm thankful I have that you know even if I can't use it all the time that's a good tool to have well it's good to know you know and it's funny because I've often said to Sean and other people that you're one of the only people who can truly put me in my place and get away with it and I've yet to figure out why that is you just there were times you could just say, mom, you're absolutely out of control right now. You've crossed the line. <laughs> and normally I would just like keep pounding. And then with you, I'd be like, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> I think it was just my lack of fear of just, you know, I can run into that fire, right? Because I knew we would figure it out. So, you know, that you say that, but there's a lot of times I used to dig myself deeper and deeper and deeper for, you know, with no light in sight. So, I mean, maybe I was able to do that. I mean, you're always going to have a soft spot for me, but I also wasn't afraid to dig deeper and able to pull it out. Whereas other people, when <laughs> they deal with some yelling and whatever, they 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 don't want to dig deeper. They want to back away, and that's not going to fix anything with you because at the end of the day, you're about uh, getting to the root of the problem, even if it's a problem that's five layers deep, you know. And we were <laughs> we argued over the first layer, but we had to get to the fifth layer. Oh, um, that's that's a good way to put it. So putting you in your place usually meant solving the problem, or at least figuring out what the problem was. It wasn't it wasn't just to shut you up, but. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> the, the only time you ever thought that maybe you'd gone too far is when I'd put my finger in your face and say, 
you're done. And neither you're... of us knew what that meant, but for some reason, <laughs> that, was, that was the thing, right? That's, yeah, you're done. That's, that gives some, uh, you know, to use the millennial word, I guess, the, that's triggering to me <laughs> to think about the finger, you're done. Never knew what I was done. Never knew what it meant, but it was definitely the scariest uh, oh, position. You're done. So funny. So funny. So when you look at you and I, and, and we do have a lot of similarities, you have a lot of traits of your dad and your stepdad too. When you look at the way we are, our similarities, what are the traits you're most grateful for? <laughs> and then what are the ones you wish you didn't inherit? Um, it's funny because you're, you know, you're extremely empathetic. Uh, for better or for worse, you're always able to feel what other people feel. I think I have that. Definitely not. And maybe that's something to do with uh, the aforementioned dad and stepdad who are a little bit less empathetic, a little more uh, than you are for sure. But um, I, I definitely appreciate my uh, ability to feel uh, human emotion even if I can't uh, even if I'm just feeling it as it's happening you know one-on-one -on -one with that person maybe I'm not inferring it and being empathetic enough myself but when I'm with someone um, having a conversation with someone or many people I'm able to really feel what's going on in that moment you know when I'm engaged and, and hopefully um put some more positivity or more caring or whatever that other person may need out as a result. So I think I get that from you. Um, definitely get the conversationalism from you. That's a hundred percent, the ability to walk into any environment and kind of figure out who's friend and foe and <laughs> team up and, and, you know, make the most of it. That's all from you. Um, yeah, I'd say all pretty much all of my positive humor interactions from you and then probably all the negative humor <laughs> interactions from you too. But it's I think it's just the way I interact with people, you know. So yeah, the the traits of yelling when I need to get my point across and if you know my girlfriend that doesn't work at all. Right. Uh, if you know my roommate it doesn't work at all either my best friend so because he'll just laugh in my face so yeah I mean so there's the positive and negative right it's the fire and the ice it is what it is but I wouldn't change anything about it because it, it's a great foundation to have um the ability to be you know the most enjoyable person and then maybe the least enjoyable person and just the ability to tame that and use that I'd rather have that than not be able to talk to people, not be able to understand what someone's thinking or going through um, at the, you know, at the benefit of being less controversial or less, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like yep. I would rather have both than not have either. So I get that from you um, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's, it's that fine line. We, we often use the word passionate, right? Yeah. We're very passionate. In our That's beliefs. a nice word. That's the yeah. word. It's a polite way to put it is that we're very passionate about what we believe in and what we what we like and what we go after. But certainly that can always have that that other spin. And it's trying to find the balance. I mean, I think I'm I'm glad this is going to sound kind of I don't mean to sound like 
gender specific here, but in a way I'm grateful that you're a male with these traits because quite honestly, being me as a female can be kind of draining sometimes because well, it's so emotional, damn it. Yeah, well, I guess that's part of it. Like I, I wouldn't understand what um, a female would go through with these traits and all the other level of emotion. I kind of... I, I get what you're saying, like, and I think we're moving to a point, hopefully, I'm, there's tons of work to do, but I mean, we are moving to a point where, you know, outspoken females um, have a, not only a platform, but, you know, they can do whatever they want to do. So you always talk about how your struggles being like that and growing up and being in the workforce and whatever. Um, hopefully, we're at the point where it doesn't matter, but well, we're not at that point, but hopefully we're working to that point. We're getting there. Well, thanks, Rai, so much for uh, spending the time with me. I love you to the moon and back, and I'm so happy you were here. I love you too, Mom. Uh, this was a ton of fun. Very simple to do, actually, too. Cool. Look at Mom carving up Anchor, the technology. She's got it. <laughs> that easy. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, you know, make sure you smash that like button, <laughs> share, turn on notifications. And, okay, uh, bye. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to come back anytime, please. Okay. Follow me on Twitter. Bye. <laughs> bye.